Yes, indeed. Only in New Orleans, baby. It's your boy Wild Wayne. It comes to Mo Shorty. Big one, we made it. Ah, we We are in 2019. It's Wild Wayne Unchained, the podcast, and we got the video cast popping as well. I'm just like really super excited about this whole thing. Uh, And I talked about it a little bit, um, you know, on episode one, but it feels really good to have an episode one, you know, because sometimes you, you have these ideas and you talk about it to death and you don't do it. Right. But, you know, we talked about New Year's resolutions and what have you in episode one and about uh, getting those little small victories and facing your fears. And sometimes the fear of failure will keep you from doing things. Well, we have pushed past that. And it's 2019. We about to make a whole lot of noise. Big shout out to everybody that's took the time to subscribe or uh, download the podcast or uh, share the link on social media because it is truly bananas. Yes. yes. Like, I thought this was going to be like that slow ascent um, and people going to have to figure it out because podcasts are not really as in vogue in New Orleans. But, man, it's I underestimated rapid. the public. It's been yes, rapid. It's been rapid. Uh, not only not only to, to myself, because like I said, on the first podcast, it was my first podcast. But that first podcast was an introduction to a whole lot of people who had never heard podcasts. So yeah. we're on this journey together. Yeah. They're listening to their first podcast. Hopefully they'll listen to their second podcast, which will be my second podcast. Right, right. So, so we're doing this together. You know, we, we are maiden voyage. I, I, I don't want to say maiden voyage, but the second voyage. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Second voyage. Today uh, in studio, and we're at... Uh, the beautiful Buck Jump Studios. That's right. That's uptown, right. Uptown, baby. That's right. Uh, we have like a super special guest, uh, Mia X. My God, I've known her for like a bazillion years. Like we came up in this thing together, like coming off the ports in this music game, not really knowing what would happen 25 plus years later. We still rocking this thing. Like uh, it, it's, it's humbling. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to know that uh, I came here tonight to settle the score. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's still oh, that heat, man. Uh, so we want to welcome you to Wild Wayne Unchained. It was It's a funny little story. So uh, we we're trying to figure out, let's get some podcasts done because the first one was doing like so great so quickly. Right. We still have a ton of work to do. Thanks, everybody, once again. But uh, I was like, well, we already got studio time booked, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do another show tomorrow just to give people some content because they loving it. We want to feed them. And I said, I'm going to call me X. Like, that's my homegirl. But I didn't think she had heard about the podcast because everything happened so quickly. Come on. And uh, I said, look, I need you to call me. I sent her a text. Uh, If you have time. Like, I couldn't hear sin good, and she called me back. Come on. And she Hello. Was, like, she said, hello. Um, 
Wap told me you got a podcast. <laughs> I was like, how'd you know what I was calling about? Like, it's like we were just in tune on, like, the same plane. And, of course, you had some great things to say um, about it's time. it's time, you know? For us to control the narrative of what goes out there when it comes to culture, music, food, lifestyle, we are the purveyors of this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um I do appreciate the other folks that come in, whether they come in from another country or another part of the United States. Um, I don't really care if they're black or white, but they're not from New Orleans, yeah. right? That's so right. they're getting secondhand information or they have curiosities about things, and they may even do some research per se, but they're not, they're not from homegrown. here. They're not homegrown. And, and we have to create ownership in our stories. That's right. I ran into Jermaine Basil the other day, and we were, you know, talking. If you don't know Jermaine Basil, I always say, just Google her. Uh, uh, but she's a, an accomplished jazz musician from New Orleans. And I asked her, I was like, yo, they should do a biopic on you. She's like, I'm not doing it. I was like, why would you say that? She was like, because they're going to distort my story. So you have to respect that. But I said, you still should get it done. Like, just, you control the narrative. Like, you get your people to do it, you know, versus letting somebody else do it. Because you know the story better than anybody else. So, uh, I'm just happy that you're here and we can talk, because we have so many great conversations all the time. Yeah. Uh, happy. So, yeah, I, I am. I'm full, happy. like, for real. Let me tell you how happy I was. Yeah, this is a true story, man. I, I'm not great at multitasking. You know, right. I, I, I'm, I can only do one thing at a time. One, you know? right. one bite I at a time. I focus on it, and, I, and I, I complete that task. But yesterday, you hit me with a confirmation. You said, we got me an ex. Man, I was running all around the house. I was happy. I was dancing. like footloose. I, I was just happy, you know? <laughs> and I had one of, my, one of my sidekicks, my other partner in crime, Slab. Slab was on one phone. My brother was on the other phone. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to talk to both of them, have a conversation, talking to one, texting the other one. Right. So I, uh, I told Slab, look, I'm going to give you the information where this is going to take place. Give me a minute. He's like, cool. He hung up the phone. Got my, got my brother on the house phone, and I'm attempting to text Slab 1. I'm attempting to text him the address and the time mm -hmm. and all that. I don't, I don't text Slab 1. I text Mia X. <laughs> Surprise! I text Mia X that we're going to have Mia X on a podcast tomorrow. Oh, you text her to tell her that she was going to be and on. And I said, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she says, okay, right? So Slab hits me back. He's like, say, dude, what's the information? Yeah, I I'm just like, sent it, it to you. you. Right. He's like, you didn't send me anything. I'm like, oh, whatever. So I pull my phone out. I check. Figured it out. Mia X. Mia X is here with us. How are you today? I'm good. I, no complaints. So you you full? You ate? Yes. So you made some amazing. I, I got to do my quick shameless plug. <laughs> jerk chicken, yellow rice, your own spin on slaw, which was amazing. It was a sweet and sour slaw. I did uh, some red vinegar. Uh, I have a rosemary bush outside, so I cut up some fine rosemary and threw in there to give it another little flavor. And then I was just like, it was missing something. I added some canes, uh, some cane syrup. You know, to give it the little balance of sweet versus sour. And it was, like, really good. And then we got a whole bunch of vegans here, so they were like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. Now, now, would that be the Wild Wayne Don Dada magic jerk? Uh, it's the magic rub. Yeah, that's oh what, you know, we're going to plug the hell really out of this. Good. 
Uh, so really uh, Mia said, well, look, you know Betty Wright. I said, well, the best jerk I don't really know Betty Wright, but I know that's your girl. Betty Wright? Betty Wright, Betty Wright. What? Makes the best jerk You chicken. know Betty Wright? Look, you know Betty Wright was the translator when my mother was killed because the witness was from Cuba. Okay. And Betty Wright uh, trained Gloria Estefan's voice and traveled with Miami Sound Machine. Really? And so she speaks, well, you know, she's a Miami Folk and Bean Project native. Mm -hmm. okay. But um, she speaks fluent Spanish. And I was supposed to catch a plane. I was waiting for my parents to pick me up, to take me to breakfast and then to catch a plane. And that's when I found out about the accident. So I had to call wow. Betty and tell her. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to come. And then she she went the rest of the way with me. Wow. From 1999 to this day, she kind of took me as her child. You wow. know, she gives me great advice. Gotcha. And um, she was actually married to one of the whalers. And oh, so wow. she makes amazing Jamaican food. Okay. I never knew that. Yes. That, that's and some I, history for you right there. I'm like a huge Bob Marley fan. Yes, you know, whalers. sometimes Betty like, would... I just buy... I, every if I could wear a Marley shirt every day, I would. Like that's just kind of my ways. Well, you know, with the I threes, um, sometimes each one of them would get pregnant because they were married, you mm -hmm. know, and and um, they would get pregnant, and so she would jump in and be one of the I threes. Oh, know, oh, she was up. She was up for Rita went out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so like the youngsters say, you know, no. Yeah, I know, no better, right? Watch out, man. Like I'm about it, about it. Before they started their double-double. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, all the double-double stuff now. Um, just to set the table for the show, um, most interviews, even the ones I've done with you, or the ones I've heard, of course, they go back to your musical starts. But today, we're going to do it a little different. Like, I want to start now, and we're going to go retro to the beginning. Because I know okay. we're going to talk. This is going to be a two-part show. I'm gonna okay. set the table with that right now. But I wanna know what you're doing now. Like now, now, because you're about to celebrate a birthday. <laughs> yes! What? And, and this is really what made me decide even more than anything to do the show was not because we had the podcast, but I wanted to give you a platform to talk about your um, giving because that's been a big part of your being. And that that's why you have longevity in this, music or not, because you give back, whether it's initiatives or whether it's advice or whatever it may be, you've always done that. So right now you're doing uh, a whole drive of versus giving me all these great things for my birthday, let's give to other people. So tell me about that. Well, um, you know, it started, I was at the red light. Mm -hmm. Espinade and Claiborne. And um, you know how you glance over? And this homeless man was using a bathroom. Um, he was making number two. And he uh, he grabbed a, like a potato chip bag or something and was trying to rub it, and then he wiped. Now, we buy toilet paper in bulks. Everybody probably right. got so much Unconsciously. Yes, right, you know? Right. So... Uh, that kind of had me frozen because I was like, wow, uh, did I just see that? Right, 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 right. And so I was like, I want to give some toilet paper out. And then I thought about wipes. And then I thought about soap and toothbrushes and toothpaste. And I said, well, 
if I go to Dollar Tree, I can swing getting about 300 um, items personally. But that same day, news came on, said that there were over uh, 1,200 homeless people in New Orleans. Okay. And so I was like, well, what I could do, I could just ask people when they're in the grocery store, you're in the dollar store, whatever, if you see an item that somebody could use, will you please donate it to me so that we can bag it mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and give it to them? Now, my uncle is Jerome Smith. The city knows him as Big Duck, and he's always... Um, the truth. He yeah. is the truth. That's right. I told him he should have a biopic, too. Yeah, he really... He, he definitely... Like, no, like... His folks. story is... For real. Like, he was one of the folks that was with the Kennedys back in the days, MLK, and he was a guy that was he, beaten up, you know, and... Front line. Like, you know, he he's was... Still front line. He was that guy that was not shying away from the battle. Wait, he's, but he didn't he's, get, he's 80, and he's still on shy away from the battle. I can still remember when we all came home for the first Katrina rally, and he talked about the children that had been separated from their parents, and they were in different um, states. Mm -hmm. And he said... And we're going to get the children, and if you can't fight, don't even worry about coming. Right, right. <laughs> and I was right. like, oh, good Jerome. Right. Oh, but I feel you, my hero. But I um, wanted to know, could I use the Treme Center as a place to um, plate food and package up the goods? Mm -hmm. Because I found that there were locations that allow homeless people to take showers mm -hmm. and to use their address, you know, for them to try to get benefits. Right. And so I wanted to do this thing the most humane way possible, to pack up the supplies and take them to the places where the homeless people are most comfortable to come and get it. This is simply about trying to even empathize what it feels like to not have a roof or toilet paper. Right. This is not about publicity. So these goods will be dropped off at locations where they feel comfortable right. where they frequent every single day um, where they can pick up these supplies in private and mm -hmm. with dignity. Right. This right. is right. not about, you know, this is not a big old thing because everybody, you want me to uh, volunteer and I can come out there with you, but that's not what it's about. It's not about being under the bridge saying, look at me, look at me and look at us. This, right. is, this is about giving people the basic necessities that we take for granted. So my 49 is about that. Uh, you know what? Let me add 49. something. <laughs> my 49 is about that. <laughs> definitely. No, no. She's got the phone to youth in her backyard <laughs> easily. Right. We easy, know this. Easy, we already know this. Real easy. Either that or the cannabis does it, one of the two. Uh, but we'll, that's another part of the show. <laughs> uh, but uh, let, me, let me get back, to, back on track. So you were talking about like basic needs. And something that you mentioned in our conversation was sanitary napkins yes. for women because just because you homeless like, don't mean your period gonna stop people get always get goods and they get shirts and socks or whatever it may be but i had a, an interview with Teresa ty and she was doing a campaign to get homeless people women bras yeah. like these are things we so take for granted right. so you know we implore the folks out there to Drop this stuff off. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to come and make a big to do and bring a camera team with you and all no, of that crap. And you don't even, have to take selfies giving away yeah, your goods. Because, nah. like, that gets a little played to right. me. We, we get caught up in that. You we know what? Let me, let, let me so tell where, you how. Where can people bring this so, stuff? So, uh, Cessful 5 uh, was kind enough to 
allow Nothing But Fire record store to be one of the drop-off points, and so did Sharani from Peaches Records. Okay. They both, okay. Um, they both opened up their businesses as drop-off points. So Nothing But Fire Records is 1840 North Claiborne mm -hmm. Avenue. That's right. So that's across from the old bottom line. I think it's a hangover bar now. Right. So um, Peaches, is on, Peaches is on Magazine now. Magazine and Napoleon. Woolwork, yeah, the old Woolworth building right. is now um, Peaches. And also, I'm going to be at the Treme Center early in the morning um, if, because there are some people that said they would just like to come over to the center to that assemble. morning. Yes, to no. help assemble with uh, their goods as well. What morning? What day? January 9th. January Actually, 9th. on my birthday. So okay. this is... um. This is what's going down for my birthday. Um, I remember I had a baby, you know, I was a teen mom, had a baby in Charity Hospital. And um, I had a seizure prior to uh, delivering. What I remember, I was laying in the bed, I'm 18 years old, and this doctor and these students that I never met before, they were standing over my bed and they were saying, black female, 18, um, seizure, preeclampsia, and then they took the cover off me and everybody was just like looking and I was afraid and groggy, mm -hmm. but I felt like a science project and so uh, I didn't want this thing that I'm doing to, to be publicized in a way that everybody was going to put cameras in these people's faces because right. I will never forget that moment mm -hmm. when gotcha. I was 18 years old and I'm like, that's not the doctor that delivered my baby. Who are these people? Right. Which I do understand that the, the students would make the rounds and the doctors would tell them about each patient, but it was very um, intrusive. Right, right, right. So I can only imagine, you know, I, if I don't have a toothbrush and, and I don't have clean clothes and I don't even have anywhere to lay my head. I can only imagine what that feels like for somebody to say, hey, I'm giving you some food. I'm giving them some food. I'm doing good. That's really right. weird to me. So, um, it's just a society we live in now. Like, yeah, but I'm from the beeper payphone era, and that, right. I'm analog. I'm just letting y'all know I'm analog. Okay, right, right, so right. yeah, I'm the two track. So, you know what? That's interesting because that's what I want to know. Where did this seed come from for Mia Young? Like, because not everybody does these type of things so effortlessly. So when they do, it lets you know that that seed was planted somewhere. Like, because greatness, you can't make greatness. It is. You can't make charismatic. It is. Yes, absolutely. I believe that. So... Tell me about your humble beginnings. Because I'm seven war down, right? Yeah, me so, too. you know, I fly that flag all the time. Hard heads. Yes, Hard, Hard heads. We really are. <laughs> but you know what? Um, Where did so you grow up? I grew up in the seventh ward on St. Anthony. And by the way, if you don't know what the seventh ward is, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Between Roman and prayer. Um, and um, funny thing happened. There was a membrane attached to my face. And um, a veil? from my face to my but okay, I'm just telling you, there was a membrane. It's the gifted children. What happened, my face was um it was smashed and ugly. Okay? It was it was smashed. I don't smashed believe that. Well no, to the point where when I came out, my my mother 
didn't want anything to do with me because it was wow. like wow. I was deformed looking and she didn't she didn't know what had happened. So they gave her this medicine twilight because she was freaking out. She freaked out so bad at however that looks. And my mom stayed in the hospital for two weeks after I was born. Mm -hmm. So I went home with my grandmother. And, um, you know, then everything was fine. My mom realized my face was regular, you know. Right. My grandmother saved she said, this was your veil. It looked like a black piece of licorice. Mm -hmm. And she had it uh, wrapped in gauze, then wrapped in parchment paper, and then in this box. And then she had another little box, and that was my umbilical cord. But my grandmother, she was the, uh, the block feeder. Okay. Every day of my life, she put 10 pounds of red beans on. Wow. In addition to the dinner that she cooked for us. She had to feed the blocks. Oh, okay, so feed so the blocks. So everybody okay. who didn't have money to eat and everybody who got off work late she felt like children you shouldn't prepare meals at nine and ten o'clock at night but she understood that some people work till right. seven and eight o'clock mm -hmm. so your kids the whole neighborhood from front of town and back of town back of town by the saint Og side front right. of town by the circle food store side they could come to our house every day the house was never locked it probably was never quiet either. Never. <laughs> I, like my grandfather, like I always say, he was the greatest man in the world because he just put up with a house full of people after he would come home from work. He would take his bed, get in the bed, and just the chaos would be going on, and he would just read the newspaper. You know, so my grandmother fed the block, and she told us, you don't walk over a hungry dog, so you definitely don't walk over a hungry person. And then she would always go to the thrift store. So, you know, when the crack epidemic hit, wow. a lot of children, they didn't have coats. And so she would always get winter clothes and then knock on the crackhead's door. Then she was a gangster about it, could pot him out. That's why I curse so much. Right. You know, and telling them about, yeah, and you better have them at my house for their breakfast Sunday because they got to go to Sunday school with me. If you sell that coat, I'm going to punch in your mm -hmm. face and, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I'm always a gangster. The, 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 the core of her. Mm -hmm. um, was always about helping people because she came up in a depression. It was 12 of them. And she said that whenever it got time to the black people, soup clothes. They didn't have nothing. And they had to be resourceful. Right. And so, you know, when we talk about eating squirrels and possums and crawfish and things like that right, and gators, right, right. that's where that kind of stuff gotcha. came from, you know, out for of necessity. us. But um, I just watched her be selfless. A gangster, people were scared of her. Right. But but very selfless all her life. You know, it's kind of like, it's a crazy, it might seem like corny analogy, but it's like an apple pie. Because it's hard and crusty on the outside, but it's like warm and sweet on the inside. That's exactly who And I ain't trying was. to sound like no corny dude or whatever, but like. Well, you done got soft Whatever, on whatever. <laughs> no, you that's, got exa soft that's exactly like, who she was. Like, I seen her beat the blood out of people. Like, right. I seen it. I don't play no kind of cards. Goldfish, Old Maid, I don't play none of that. I don't either. Because the card game she was at, everybody, pistol was on the table. My grandma had two pistols, uh, uh, a sock and a pool ball, a rock wrapped in furl paper, uh, and two pistols, and a mean, 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 mean right and left. And these That's ladies crazy. were so hardcore, it would be a lot of fighting and stuff at the card games, a lot of gambling, which traumatized me. And I was her role dog, so I was everywhere with her. So, so, so you got bout it, bout it. Way young, so, you know. Okay. So, bout it, bout it is just not a phrase. No. Look, let me tell you something. 
people used to borrow money from her, and she had a sack of bullets. She had these shelves <laughs> on the side of the, the bed. So she had a sack of bullets, and she would take the sack, you know, and um, she'd give you the money and look at you and dig in. Catch this, baby. If you don't bring my money back, you're not going to catch the next one. And so... Wow. So about it, oh. since there was no script. Oh. Right, right, right. I thought that it would be really cool uh -huh. to do that because there was no script, and I just thought it would make for great cinematography. But everybody that borrowed money from my grandmother already knew where that line what right, that was right, hitting right, for. Right, you know? right. So um that's why the whole when me and Skull was playing dice, yeah. that's where that whole little setup came from, because this is what she did. But aside from all of that, mm -hmm. um, she was a warm, giving person. She wanted to make sure everybody had something to eat right. because she said they went to bed hungry a lot of times. And she wanted to make sure, you know, they were warm and they were clean. And everybody slept at our house. It was like Pallet Central, you know, <laughs> just makeshift beds, get in where you fit in. <laughs> right. So what I'm doing now. My cookbook is called Things My Grandma Told Me, Things My Grandma Showed Me. And it is a cookbook memoir about me and her life because she would say stuff to us as little girls, you know, and, and we took those things with us. You know, we get ready to get up, go out, we dressed up when Discovery was popping. That's right. We looking all good, <laughs> everybody fixing their clothes. We get ready to leave. Y'all be careful. And don't be running out here stupid, giving your ass away like Halloween candy. <laughs> <laughs> so saying things like that, you right. know, and she would say th these things to anybody. Soon as you met her, she didn't give a damn who you was. She probably was going to say something way out the box. So this, you get the door and you say, look, my grandma, she be cursing. Right. You had to, you had to prepare them. Saying stuff, you right. know, and we coming inside talking to her we crying this one don't want to be my friend they don't want to play with me you don't have to kiss the ass you kiss enough ass and eventually your face will smell like shit <laughs> so these things Truth. Things, like, things my grandma told me things my grandma showed me by the time i was five years old i could butter the toast mm -hmm. i could scramble an egg by the time i was eight i could fry chicken that's my first war wound 1978 your fire was too high. What I told you about that. At eight. Eight. They have grown women today that can't fry chicken. But see, my grandmother, a lot of times when I look at uh, the Asian culture and I see like the little children, five, working the register or doing things, I think about my grandmother because she didn't have limitations on age. I have a cousin. She was born with a rare form of uh, arthritis, so she has no joints. So her hands are straight. You know, this doesn't bend, this doesn't bend. No knees, no anything. And she has a college degree. She's an excellent cook. Because my grandmother used to say, scoot. She would take a butter knife and uh, tape it up to the fork and to the spoon as an extension. And she can bend really well. No, you're going to feed yourself. You like shrimp? No, she gonna, her hands was kind of uh, turned. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to peel the shrimp. My cousin is such a dope female i look at her and i look at other women who complain about things and i'm like nah see 
TDB is living in her own house right. with a degree, and she go to work every day, and she cook for herself every day, and mm -hmm. her home is immaculate. My grandmother was like, you going to do everything everybody else doing, and you ain't going to ask nobody for shit. No excuse. They going to be around here talking about you. No excuse. Mm -hmm. And so because she did that with us, um, I just think it's stuck. No matter what my cousins went through, and we've all seen different things. I've had family members that battled addiction, and some mm -hmm. of them that had to go rest their head for 10, 20 years. But the things that she taught us, I could see now, you know, and all of us being older, and, you know, we have children and grandchildren. I could see those things manifesting on all my cousins, right. you know, and, and she never judged us. It wasn't one of those things. She was a prim and proper grandmother to the to the point where she did go to church, she did cook, she did clean, but she had a matter-of-fact way about mm -hmm. life and a judge, not a non-judgmental attitude. So first thing I did, wrote the book. Um, for 10 years, I had been on Twitter doing things my grandma told me. Yeah, that was like a whole big old thing. And like, so, yeah. yes, and that the thing about it, whenever she was saying something to us, we was in the kitchen. It had something to do with food. The men had to cook. The women had to cook. She just wanted us to be responsible mm -hmm. for ourselves and to empathize with other people mm -hmm. because she knew what it was like to be brought up colored and in a depression and um, to a family that was... French and Haitian right. and called Little C's because we was dark. Little C's is French speaking people of color and they called us Little C's, uh -huh. the ones that was darker than the brown bag. See, that's what I wanted to know. Like, although you're from New Orleans, that's where you were born, like some of the rich culture and heritage of your family, because they operated a little different. Way different. You know, they were not like the Brady Bunch or whatever. You know, it wasn't nothing like that. And I use that because that was circa the era. But, you know, <laughs> your mom was like vegan. You know, you were telling me back during that yes. time. And, yeah, we, you know, we was all different. Had, you know, Caribbean and Haitian roots and what have you, which kind of gave you a different youth experience. Yes. My youth, my, my youth experience was... um. I can remember my friends teasing me because my mom was a carrot top with hazel eyes and they thought she was very pretty. And then she started to dread. So when my friends would come to my house, they would say, what's wrong with your mama? Why she don't have a perm like everybody else mama? Her face is pretty, but her hair is ugly. She looked like a lion. Why y'all have Africa stuff all in y'all house? Why y'all fly African flags? What's wrong with y'all? Mm -hmm. Why y'all so different? My mama said we can't play with y'all because y'all Africa. That's what they would say. Mm -hmm. But then, around 85, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, when, when we were teenagers, many of my friends would come around and they would say, huh. I wanted to talk to your mama about all those books in y'all house. The I wanted to talk movement. to your mama about her hair and my mom was always just the coolest lady you know she was like well I grew up like everybody else I ate pork and I ate beef and you know I, I, I ate everything you know I ate everything everybody else ate but when she came into the knowledge of self she wanted to eat to live right and um my grandmother never understood that part. My, well, the chicken ain't dead me shit. That's what my mom said. And, um, and, and I'm a fried this chicken, and it's just still going to make the peppers. Right, and then right, my mom right. would say, I'm going to make 
seafood peppers for you all, you know. And my mom just started a whole bunch of dishes that we were all able to appreciate. And she taught us about uh, the separation of, of the foods. So there were some pots you couldn't cook certain things in because that was my mama pots. And right. she, you, you would get in trouble. No meat. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't put, man, no pork, that's my no mama meat. pot. Don't, that's her stuff. Right. And this is our pots. Right. So even now, when I'm boiling seafood, mm-hmm. everything is a separate pot. Mm. The turkey's in a separate pot, and the sausage is in a separate pot, and the seafood is in a separate pot, because I'm conscious of who doesn't eat what, and people don't understand. If it's in the same pot, you might as well oh, just go on and suck the pork chop, the neck bone, if it's all in the same right. pot. So Whether you're Muslim or not. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, when they would come to my seafood night, they're like, you got all those pots going. And I'm like, yeah, everything is separate because of, you know, some people are allergic to shellfish, and some people are not going to eat pork. They're not going to eat beef. They're right, not going right. to eat the pork neck neck bones. They're not even going to eat the turkey necks. But those who are, you know, you got to have something for everybody. But, you know, we we, we are New Orleans family. My, my grandmother's grandfather, Fernand Jaluk, was a French daddy and a native mama. Mm-hmm. And then he married. Native Indian? Yes. Okay, okay. And then he married um, Viola Hannon, and she came from Haiti, mm-hmm. and that was uh, my grandmother's grandmother. So that's the connection. And so, yes. And, um, you know, my grandmother always kept a garden, always kept herbs. Um, we'll give me a bell pepper out the backyard. Right, give right. me some bird's eye pepper for my roast. And so we grew up thinking that was the norm, to not ever cook from a box or a pack, because we never saw that. You know, we, we, never, had, we never had it. So... Um, and everybody tell me, me and my cousins, Bunny and Mice, they say, y'all cook the long way. Y'all take the long way. But it's the way that we know because right. it's the way that, that we were taught. But um, I did a cookbook memoir in dedication to my grandmother where I touched on the music industry and mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been through everything girls have been through. Right. Um, domestic abuse and everything. So gotcha. I decided to talk about it. But um, that's pretty much, I don't know, I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was so different from everybody. I just know that what was going on in our house was different. Well, I think when you have like such a large cross section of different things going on, like it makes your story richer. It makes your your character richer. Whereas some people that their entire life they're insulated, their their story is kind of shallow. shallow. You know, it's not layered. There's no layers. I was very colorful. My mom cooked in a whole house and I was in there with her. You know, the thing is this. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, let me tell you something. We had a, we used to go to work because my grandmother was like a maid. We used to go to work at this big old house and the ladies were seamstress. And I remember they sold for all the big carnival balls. Mm -hmm. And they also made me a lot of nice clothes. Mm-hmm. Lamir and Marie and Camille was the aunt. And Camille was a lady looked just like a Native American, but she used to spray like this blue on her white hair. And um, interesting. Lamir <laughs> had ladies that lived in the house. And I remember she used to say, Dame Selimaisons, they are suitors to be ready. And the ladies would come down, her little steps looked like a windaway, they would come down. Sometimes I would bring these people highballs and they would give me a dollar and my grandmother would cook the food. I never found out what that place really, really was. Till you was grown. Lemire, no, I was I was like 17. Lemire died. Mm-hmm. And um 
we were cooking for the repairs. And then I had a friend that was going to Dillard and times got hard for her. She was really pretty and somebody approached her about being an escort. Mm -hmm. And she asked me what I thought about it and I asked her to come tell Mamon. And so um, Mamon made us some liver and onions Mm -hmm. and um, we had all of the food packaged up that was supposed to go for the feeding for Lemire. And Mama told my friend, after she served us, she turned and looked at my friend, she said, so you're thinking about working that pussy, huh, ho? <laughs> and my friend looked in horror. She said, you can't sell it if you're not ready to be called a hoe. Right. So she broke down um, prostitution and how a lot of ladies, it was necessary for them because of the times, you know, when you were black in America, it was hard enough. But when you were black and you were a woman in America, it was very, very hard. But my friend ultimately didn't do that. Thank but goodness. I found out yeah. that Lemire meant the mother and Dame de la Maison's was the, the, the women of the house. So she was the house mother. Now, mm-hmm. my grandmother lied to me and told me that the Dame de la Maison's was the Godchildren, and I never doubted that because I have two sets of godparents, mm-hmm. you, you know. Gotcha. So I never doubted that. And so when she broke it down, she was like, "No, they were seamstress. They sincerely were seamstress, and some of the best ever." However, what went on in that house right. was something <laughs> else upstairs, and I could never. My grandma said, "If you go up the windowy, what's gonna happen? You gonna whip my ass." Right, right, when right. We pull up to the house. I'm five years old. Every day, this is what she say. Now, what happens? Don't open your mouth about what happened on Esplanade. Mm-hmm. So I could never see. Now, now we're talking seventies, mid seventies. We talking early seventies. When she was at this house, but she had been there long before I was born, gotcha. uh, working for them. They were her friends, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I learned about life and that my grandmother, she didn't hide the fact that she was seasoned and not innocent. She didn't pretend that butter didn't melt in her mouth. You know, she she just laid things out for us. But I found out what that house was when I was older. All my life, I just thought it was a lot of sewing going on. And well, that was the grandmother protecting gowns the Gowns being made, cause they, and they actually right. were. What I'm, what I'm saying is you wouldn't have never thought, you know, especially me being a child, but I think anybody just walking in, you wouldn't have thought well, that it was what it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I didn't find you out. You needed the password. Right. When my mom said Doris, and I was like, Laws, who is that? And she was like, that's Lemire. I thought the lady name was Lemire my whole entire, I thought that was not, the name. Not just her title. Right. In New Orleans, you know, you have, I, I went to school with Jean-Paul Francois, right. so I mean, what in the world? I didn't think nothing about somebody named Lemire, mm-hmm. especially right. in the Seven Ward. You know, so, there's a lot of weird names. My, my grandmother was, uh, you know, Seven Ward, right? Right, uh... North Johnson and Onzaga. Okay. Like right across from Corpus Christi Cattle mm-hmm. Corner. And you know, I remember like as a youth, as a little kid, like being in these shotguns because, you know, the kids usually stayed in the kitchen because that's where my grandma was cooking. Always cooking, making sure everybody was eating. Big box fan in the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the uh what's it the big shot sodas in the thick glass bottles mm. you know making gumbo zav uh they you know one time a year getting the, the sausage from was it Volkerson? And there was another place. and Muley's. Right, and there was one other they tell me about. Well, see, that was the only places I know my... And the circle. Yeah. We used to walk to the circle from there. Yes, walk to the circle. I used to walk to the circle. Do you remember this? These green stamp books. Of course. Like when you bought a certain amount of growth, it's it's the modern day rewards club. It is, <laughs> uh, but, but but they hit they you stamp you. That's right, that's it, right. You it's get like a stamp plant, every you time. had to lick them and lick stick them on. It looked like a bingo <laughs> card or something like that's that. Right. You could get a pan or oh. or something. I remember that. Just I was such a little kid, but I remember that so so specifically. I remember my grandmother doing gray odds. Yeah, to this day like, I still do. Um, like the truth. Like they mm-hmm. were the truth. The most incredible gumbo you ever had. And it was hot sausage in it that didn't have any of that red dye in it. No. Like and it wasn't greasy. That was the preservative. That's before the preservative. Right. They didn't make it, the meats were totally, right. totally different. But but, Everything. but to your point, my uh I, I grew up in Shrewsbury. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's that's my hood, that's where I'm from. You hear me say it all the time. But but my dad, his family was from the seventh ward. I, I didn't know that. I never him. knew that. His last name was Rawls. They lived on St. Anthony. No, I know your whole, no, I'm about to tell you, they live up the street from me because. About five or six blocks off of Claiborne. Yeah, they live. Right under the. No, the, under the bridge. Then let me tell yeah. you something. Because we kind of kin, but I can't tell you how all that go on camera. Okay. But I, okay. 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 For Cousin. No, for real. But okay. uh, so, <laughs> so the Rawls. This is being recorded. Yeah. So. So the Rawls, Samella and them, that's your that's people. My, that's my aunt. Okay. okay. And, and and your aunt. Um, my dad is Keith. Okay. Wait, Keith Rawls is your dad? Yes, that Boy, is. Boy, you better stop. Yes, that is. Keith I mean, Rose like, listen. Dad. That's that's my father. Listen, so he was best friends with my uncle Wubby. Um, but Duck? No, uh, that's what they called him. Well, his name was Herman Young. Wubby okay. was light, uh, had a big old bush. Um but your family and my family, you know, they they are family. You don't uh, make me cry. No, they really are. No, for real. But you I can't I can't tell you till the cameras go off. <laughs> um, but your we fa- unchanged. <laughs> we unchanged. Your family and my family, they 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 can. Your your grandfather, he would come outside in his kilt, and um, he would come outside in his kilt, and he I loved bagpipes. Yeah, but I, I what? But no, no, no. Let me tell you something. When you saw him, he was straight like a Scottish king, yeah. you know. And um, I would here. ask him, wow. you white? And he said, what? You look like white people like my grandma T, because my grandma T, mm-hmm. you know. And um, your grandmother, Nola. short with her pretty, pretty green eyes like my mama's. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first place I ever ate hamburger helper. In your grandmother and grandfather's house. That's right. See Dorian all the time. That's that's my family. But yeah, we we right um we was in the middle of the block, Saint wow. Anthony between Roman and Prayer, okay. and your family was Saint Anthony between Roman and Johnson, right. and it was the overpass. Right under the overpass. When you and I were talking about the homeless, and yeah. I was telling you that. That's crazy. My, just... my aunt was one of the first African-American mm. police officers in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did talk about I that. I don't know what happened to her, but on a job, she went crazy, and she started living under the bridge. Mm. And um, 
that overpass right where your family is, she would be under there, leaned under there. Every day we would come home from school and then we would have to go and tell her, you know, hey, Joyce, my grandma say come take a bath. My grandma say come get some food. But um, I know your family very, very, very well. And your family was one of the Creole families in New Orleans that looked every bit of white and never pass on blanc. They never pass on blanc. They was black people. They never ever, the Rawls, the Romanacs, the Normans, mm -hmm. blind hair, blue eyes, and never pass on blanc. Never, ever, ever. Now, they was black people. Now, now, folks, that I'm gonna go ahead and do this. Like, folks don't always know what passe blanc means because pass that means white. pass for white. For you know, there's people listening around the world. Right. Um. So, like, there was a certain amount of people that obviously either had some Indian heritage, but more than likely, it was uh, the whites that had, you know, ha had sex with uh, some of their slaves and. You know, there were quadroons and there were mulattoes um, and they had balls and it was a lot of different things going on. But like these white young men loved black women. Yes. Right. Who don't? Now, <laughs> right. Everybody does. Who don't? And, and, and we lit. Right. <laughs> it was like it was like if you were openly in public with a black woman, it was terrible. It was a scarlet letter. Right. But behind closed doors, like, it was a big thing. So, you know, a lot of our uh, grandparents had to deal with that because they might have been chocolate black and had a bright-skinned baby. Well, and that's it, how it, my grandmother... It created questions within families because some of these people were married. With, with a dog husband. A dog. So yeah. how, how, how did this happen? You know, right. and these are, like, secrets people brought to the grave. But some of the children uh, that were born may have been black with blue eyes or green eyes or red hair or sandy, dirty, blonde hair. And they chose not to live a life as a black person. Right. They, because they, they could get different privileges. Right. Some of them went to other cities yes. and just assumed that they were white. It's a lot of because... y'all black. I don't <laughs> right. care what your grandma look like. So that's the she left here. Passe blow. So, like, I'm yeah, going to tell you this. this that's right. I hope this don't ruffle no feather, but I've always wondered, and this may be controversial, about uh, Mary Landrew. She looks black to me. You know me. what's funny, though? The cold part about it, his people This look, may piss some people off. I really don't no, care. It's my but, opinion. It's my show, and I'm unchained. His, to hell with it. His, his people look uh, whiter than all the Landrews. His, wow. His people, you know, like, for real. His, his people, uh, Keith and Kenneth. Keith, Kenneth, yeah. That blonde hair on Kenneth. Uh, but, yeah, the ones that wanted a, a better life you know, so they thought mm -hmm. they had to do what they had to do. They would leave and pass for white. And these people, you know, like in, in my grandmother's, uh, in my grandmother's case, she said with uh, her grandmother, some of them that left, they didn't come back for the funeral or nothing. Because when right. you pass a blonde, you, you pass for the white. And so that means you don't come back. Even if your mama or your daddy died. So you just assume a whole you new life. You assume the life of a white person. Like and women Witness and protection men, program yeah, in right. another city. Women and men did that. And so that's where the old saying about them jeans going to reach back. Mm -hmm. When they say, oh, she's Passant Blanc, but them jeans going to reach back. She's going to have a baby with that white man that's going to come out looking like her mama. Right. And they would right. say those right. kind of right. things, you know. But um, 
the, the love, the reason why I'm telling you about your family and the love I have for them is because in our neighborhood, we did have some. Mm -hmm. um, we had some neighbors that spoke to us in a neighborhood, but my grandmother said when they would be out in the workplace, they didn't because these people pass on blanc in, in the work field mm -hmm. and then came home. But then everybody that pass on blanc was not... Uh, bad people no. because a lot of them use their color to hire relatives people just didn't know it was their relatives mm -hmm. you know and and to kind of like get them in so that they can make their mark and climb up the financial ladder a lot of them use their skin to actually pull their brothers and sisters right. in it wasn't totally one-sided but not you know not all of them though no because what ended up happening my estimation is there became classism that occurred right where you had some free men of color or even past that when you know everyone was actually free and and black but it created divides between the lighter skinned blacks and the darker ones because they felt like they were entitled to privileges, much like white privilege today. Right. Um, and it did cause division. Um, like, I'm like one of the darkest people in my family. Yeah, right? the, with the grandchildren. So Look, and, and you, you know, so my, my dad used to tell me about these, the brown paper bag test. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to get into certain venues, they would pull a brown paper bag so out. Make sure if, you your, if your hand was darker than the paper bag, you couldn't get in. You couldn't right. get in. If you were more fair, right. then you that could get in. Like, it was just crazy stuff. Well, it's crazy now, but it was a whole... It was the norm then. Another lifestyle. You know what? But, they, were taking on, they were taking on what they saw in Europe, though, because in European countries, it's always been like that, lighter Latins and mm -hmm, darker mm -hmm, ones. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's always been classism with uh, skin tone yeah. and with money, you know. Money especially. And privilege. Separated and privilege. Us, you know, by class and privilege. But uh, we... In our pain, what I notice is we do stick to uh, Passant Blanc and that, that stigma being really bad. But there were some, you know, that actually hired, um, got people hired, mm -hmm. um, vouched for people. Um, there were some that absolutely, like I said, like the, the Rawls, the Romanex, the Normans, they never, ever, 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 ever pretended to be white people. My nanny is in the French quarters, and she's been there mm -hmm. forever, right, right, a businesswoman. Right. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget her and uh, Sonny Volkerson were talking about the same thing, about getting these businesses in the quarters, and people come and ask them, you know there's a nigga. There's a nigga in the quarters. Mm -hmm. Come on. There's a nigga in the quarters. And then when they found out, who it was. Sonny's daddy was the black, and so, so is my nanny Gail. Mm -hmm. But these people never act like they wasn't anything but black. Right. You know, like never, ever, ever, ever. I remember Katrina hit, and my aunts going to uh, school with my little cousins. It was their grandchildren, and my little cousins say, because they keep asking us what we is, and we keep telling them we black and we don't even know what they're talking about. Right, right, you know, right. it's, it's just, the, it's one of those things. In New Orleans, we are, we are gumbo tribe, you know, and that's why we really don't fit in other places because we don't live in New Orleans, it live in us. Right, You know, right. And it's, it's a melting pot of various cultures. You know, some of us have native ancestry and what have, you know, it is so, what it is. So this is uh, the Wild Wayne Unchained podcast. 
with my man Sean Royal, special guest today, Mia X. Right. I, I just really want to tell you happy birthday. Like, and all the folks out there that have been wishing you happy birthday, salute to them. Um, and I want you to just really, real quick, while people listen to the podcast, and we do have a part two coming to this interview. There's a lot more we got to talk about. But tell them one more time about the upcoming event on the 9th. It's your birthday. Yes. It's a national holiday. Uh, but, but tell For them sure about the... sure, New Orleans holiday. Right, right. For sure, New Orleans holiday. We're going to cut up. To, to help out uh, the less fortunate, where where can they drop stuff off at? And also, well, you'll be doing the assembling of the goods that get collected. And then we're going to drink some beers. Yes. And we're going to eat some of these pickles from Pickled Nola. And I'm going to get another piece of jerk chicken. But All right. tell, them, tell them where they can do those things. Nothing but fire records. Shout out to Cesfo 5. And Peaches Records. Shout out to Shirani. They are serving as drop-off points for the goods. Any toiletries or items that um, you feel someone who has absolutely nothing could use, I'm just asking you to donate that item so that we can fill the bags and make somebody's day. There it is. So it's the Wild Wayne Unchained Podcast. Once again, thank everybody for subscribing and listening. There is a part two that's dropping next week to this where we talk about your cookbook the Whip Them Pots crew. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and your rich musical heritage here in the city uh, with No Limit uh, as an independent artist. And we're also going to talk about the lack of respect that New Orleans urban slash black artists get. Let's go. Of this, this era. Let's because we are, we are a, a prize gem in the landscape nationally and globally, yet the powers that be do not give a... Uh, us, I'll just do you and Master P and, and Baby and Lil Wayne and Mystical and C Murder and, uh, you know, Frida and, you know, so many different people, Partners you know, from this area. But yeah, South Coast. Everybody. Yes. I don't want to leave us. anybody Give out, but us. we don't get the respect that's yeah. due. We don't. And even the DJs to me don't get the respect that's due. Um, but we'll talk about that in our next episode. Uh, and we're going to drink some ice cold beer and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Wild Wayne Unchained podcast. Make sure and follow us on social media at Wild Wayne Unchained. And for advertising or sponsorship opportunities, contact us at wildwayneunchained at gmail.com.